Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our review. Uh, well, this is the Headspace Podcast, which is a show where we review the new hip-hop albums track by track. We go through them and discuss them. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, or HSR, depending on how you know me. This is... Chris Chrome. That's who that is. And now I'm going to get to what I was trying to say. Uh, we're reviewing the highly anticipated, as I discovered after I googled... Uh, album from Madlib, who's a fucking dope ass motherfucking producer, yep. and a dope ass motherfucking rapper by the name of Freddie Gibbs. Yep. There goes any good rating on this video for being family friendly, but they're both dope ass motherfuckers. I had to say it off the front. Um, so if you want to skip our little intro bit, because I know I talk a lot, uh, check the description of the video just in case some tangent comes up that I um, you know, forget to tell you about. On that note, I want to start this off letting you know I'm, I'm not like a professional at this reviewing thing. We just do this because I'm personal. We're curious about learning, seeing what's actually coming out, understanding some shit. You know, just making sense of what's good and what albums are out. Because I know for me, at least, I wasn't listening to albums before I started doing this review. And now I just almost only want to listen to albums. So Freddie Gibbs and Madlib put together this beautiful project. And instead of just listening to the single and moving on, you know, let's let's take some time and like go through this this like piece of art that was created by these two fine fellows. Um, anyway. I usually find that when you listen to albums, though, you can get like... I, end up, I tend to end up liking more of the songs on the album than I do the single at the end of the day. A lot of people, I think, share that sentiment. And you can let us know if you also do. But uh, And that's a good segue into the part where I like to point out that we love your comments because through your comments we grow. And as we uh, basically talk about stuff, we, we tend to make some silly blunders or show how ignorant we are, which I'm pretty open about in the beginning. And then uh, fine folk will comment as an example wonderful person gave us some good information last week i talked about benny the butcher and his album the plugs i met i could tell you one thing exciting project you should check it out but uh on that marvin rock said dapper dan was a designer in the 80s that made clothes for drug dealers and celebrities thank you i feel like i did know that and i forgot when i was talking about it but in light of the foolish shit i said and not bringing that up it's so helpful everyone reads the comments so if you put some helpful shit in the comments you like enhance the review and you're like a part of it and that makes you cool person who comments that's my opinion um we'll get into it real shortly we're gonna give a special thanks to the patrons ismail gadamsey chris prado dj black hurricane linda williamson jonathan barnes i say it now because everybody puts them at the End, but you're still watching at the beginning all right chris what is the album that we'll be discussing today so for today's headspace album episode 130 we went with freddie gibbs sorry we went with the adventures of winnie the pooh and the zebra sorry go on freddie gibbs and mad libs new album bandana Yes, that is the album we chose to do. Why did we choose to do it? Because Freddie Gibbs is pretty cool and Mad Lib is pretty cool. But Chris, tell us the story of what well, you went on your little adventure. Um, so I got 
about two weeks ago, I got hooked up from my friend with a free VIP pass to Mural Fest. Uh, Mural Fest. Sorry, we're gonna explain it. Yeah, for those who didn't know, Mural Fest has been around in Montreal for at least the last six years. It is bringing this kind of movement of modern art um, in different fashions. So we've got, so you've got like break dancers, you've got hip hop music, you've got um, actually music from all kinds on different days because um, it's like an eleven day uh, event. Um, we've got like uh, murals and these beautiful mural paintings that are uh, painted on like buildings, side of walls, uh, little canvases and stuff that really kind of bring out the the community in a sense. And I say that because it's not just like people who are hired by, uh, officially hired by mural who paint these things. These are local artists that get to come here, sign up on this like paper type deal and they get to get a spot per day or whatever and draw their beautiful mural on the, on, on the canvases and people get to take photos and uh, do all that. They've also got different sections where you can actually talk with the artist, talk with the, um, some of the local hip hop artists. I, I, I was able to talk to some of them a little bit, but not uh, the big artists. Like I did get to see Freddie Gibbs live, which was crazy. And I'll get into that. That was the tracks. whole reason we started there. Because Freddie Gibbs performed at this very recently. That that is the reason, and I'm sorry for dragging that on. It was a really great event, and I will bring it back uh, different times throughout the album because uh, there's certain things that I've noticed while doing this review and also seeing them live that really stands out. Uh, I also did get to see Made in Tokyo. He's an upcoming artist that I kind of stumbled guys, upon on SoundCloud. Do you guys care about Made in Tokyo? I recently have. The I Montreal like audience did not apparently the care front row show. was bumping so the little ones at the front cared but the rest of the audience was like get the fuck out of here we want freddy as i understand it basically basically um but i do want to i do want to kind of just talk about the vip section very quickly it was cool um I think I over anticipated. I think I over expected some things, uh, but they basically kind of have like this parking lot. Uh, it's it's literally in between two buildings. It could be a legitimate parking lot that they block off and they um, use to build up the stage to have all the artists performance stuff. And then they kind of cut the parking lot in half. And one side has like this wooden stage that they built with a uh, multiple floors so that that's the VIP section. And uh, the other side is just the free walk up. You kind of just go in and participate into the into the crowd. Uh, I did enjoy myself. It was really, really cool. Okay. Uh, so, yes. Chris saw Freddie Gibbs live. The whole point of this is to describe our relationship with the artist. And we're going to let you know now. We're trying out this part one, part two bullshit. Because um, when we put long reviews, some part of me and my soul thinks some of you don't click on them because they're like two hours long. So by making that two-hour video to one hour videos well now it's not so daunting and that's what we're testing out a little bit plus it's whatever so if you guys care about the two-part theory or you, you guys have a preference either way let us know in the comments because honestly it's really about appeasing your interests but now we'll just talk a little bit about how we know freddie gibbs as fans because the truth is uh, how you perceive an album is largely regulated by your relationship with the artist in the sense that if you've been listening for a while or if you're a brand new fan to him or if you're like a Made in Tokyo fan and you just saw Freddie Gibbs, I, I, I don't know, I just rolled with it. But like it all matters, right? So like in my case, we discovered Freddie Gibbs along the way reviewing this. Well, I know at one point we did Freddie Gibbs and Currency's album, Fetty, 
which I really wasn't. Roma, Fetty Roma? Fetty Roma yeah. or something. Um, either way, I remember going into that and being like, that's what the fuck these guys are. And uh, since then, I've learned a lot about this kind of street shit, we'll call it. And uh, I've come to really like a lot of the, the dudes who have like a certain way of spitting about them. Honestly, like, there's just ones you can tell who are smart. And the smart guys who have had success and are very honest about their stories and shit. I don't know. They're, they're really good and fun to listen to. And I guess I was left with the impression that Freddie Gibbs is one of these guys. And as I've been into guys like, you know, I've been really excited doing stuff like Benny the Butcher or like 38 Spash or a few other dudes who've just been like super fun for me to go through because I read a lot of like books and I feel like a lot of the content that I'm reading, like I'm currently reading 33 Strategies of War. Uh, and it's like when you listen to a lot of this music and you hear how some of the things that, you know, a guy like Robert Greene will describe in a book are then just brought to life in the way that this guy's life experience and how he handles the situation or whatever. I think it's super interesting. And I don't know, the more I just kind of blur the lines of corporate America and the crack game and realize there's just good business and bad business and there are risks in every business, some a little more dire than others but at the end of the day i want to get inspiration from the guys who figured shit out no matter what they do and once i took that approach to it i was like yo freddie gibbs is dropping with madlib because yo madlib yeah i do know who he is in terms of production he's one of the better producers we've encountered on this channel in terms of like always up for like honestly like even if and i'm not saying this is the case freddie could not carry the project you know that mad lives beats would just be great to listen to regardless of who rapped on them that was my expectation for mad Lib coming into this great beats freddie i was expecting dope rapping up I'm gonna give you a spoiler. I was surprised by how fucking amazing Freddy is. I was not expecting it. I, I was I was humbled by like how dope his shit turned out to be. So like that's the kind of attitude I have now talking about it. Not just that. Um, Freddy's presentation on the album matches up to his character live performance. He's really down to earth and really understands what entertaining is he was really in like engaging with the crowd and having everybody kind of like talk like even on stage he was talking with them and trying to make jokes and he was and he was getting everybody with his own vibe and it's the same type of uh uh infectious effect that he has even on the album i find uh the thing also is i've known freddie for like six years in all fairness the first song I learned from Freddie Gibbs was in GTA on the song Still. Still living like a drug dealer finger on the trigger. That one, that when that song came on at the show, I was jumping with everyone else. Like, that's what the song that really got me into Freddie. Um, I, granted, I was a little bit younger at the time, so I didn't understand a lot of what he was saying, but I knew it was drug dealer music. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide it. That's kind of what it is. There's a lot of, you know, this type of lifestyle, this type of movement and a lot of drug cooking so but i like the type of way he's explaining it i like how he's dropping the wisdom and that's what really got in that's what really got me into it granted i didn't go dive right into freddie but i always known that he had this type of persona and this is who he was and then we reviewed uh Fetty roma which 
going into that album, I kind of knew what I was expecting from Currency and Freddie because I've heard Currency on Wiz Khalifa albums and their their joint project back in the day as well. So I kind of knew what I was getting and I was really impressed as well. Uh, but this album really, really, I think, was more hyped up because I got to see the live show before this album dropped. And dude, I'm impressed. Like straight up, the man is super clear. He, the, anyway, we'll, we'll get into that. I mean, the title bandana just makes me think of some gang shit. I mean, that's just what it makes me think of. Like, you think bandana, you think gang affiliation in terms of hip hop. I don't know. I feel loyalty. I feel, I see loyalty. I see family. I see uh, I dead hiding like flag, identity. You know, just like, but you know, all related to Yes, gangs, yes, yes, you know, yes. And all that comes with it. So it's like I was saying, I'm from this life, you know, and this is what this album, it lets you know, like right away, almost like this is what the album's kind of going to be looking at, this bandana life is I, what I took from I don't, from the co- the title before I went into it. I agree. I, I, I agree. I just have another type of thing where I, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to take away that it's the gang life, but I think it's also kind of like a... a because there, because I do like you don't have to wear you don't have to be a gang member to wear a bandana, but I feel like you are representing something from yourself when you are rocking a flag like that, or well, when you are trying to wear. Let's it in a say certain you're way. in a certain neighborhood that is not in Montreal, and you wear a bandana of a certain color. Absolutely, you, I mean that. So in that regard, it isn't the same thing as like here where people do just wear bandanas for different reasons you know i and i agree with that i'm not trying to say that i'm just saying like i feel like for me when i look at bandanas even even outside of like gang life or gang culture i kind of just look at it as like like a different there's like a team element because even like as a kid you would use bandanas sometimes to identify team members for quick little games and whatnot I don't know. I like the cover, though. It's like um, there's a zebra, and it says Hollywood and, like, this ghostly blue see-through fucking uh, sign. They're standing behind the Hollywood sign. And it's got, like, burning bullshit going on, like some bombs fell. The moon is out, and it's, like, a little cartoon bear thing. You know what it kind of looks like? It kind of gives off this, like, impression that... (sighs) Freddy left. Freddy and Mad Lib left Hollywood. They came back, and now it's trashed. And now they got to oh, fix it. That sounds like an interesting point, like setting up for like, or it's the aftermath of their destruction. Yeah, they could be leaving it. Because they, they were fire and the fire of their lyrics represented and manifested in the bombs that went. Anyway, um, I don't Do know. Do you know the relation of why it's like a bear and a zebra? I have no idea. Do you? No, I don't. All I, I, I think it's... I didn't look into it. I try not to watch stuff like Genius videos of Freddie breaking down songs and shit before I do the review. Because for me, I feel like once I find out what Freddie thinks the song is, I'm like, well, now I don't need to think that much. Freddie told me what this he meant. I'm like, okay. I can interpret other things, certainly. So sometimes it's like a little... I tried to find it real quick, but I couldn't find it in a way that wouldn't spoil like the album for me. I don't know if that makes sense to y'all, but I like to watch the interviews and stuff after we do the review, so this is as fresh as it can fucking be from my end of it. Beautiful. Um, but I like the cover. It's it's one of my favorite covers we've come across. I can't really describe it, but it's got this like sci-fi element to it that makes me want to like engage with it. And I like how dark it is in a world where everything's so vibrant and colorful. It's still colorful. 
don't get me wrong it's still vibrant but it's so dark with it like you're on the moon or something at the same time it's so fucking cool and i just want to give whoever designed that shit you a motherfucking you awesome i like how welcoming it is like it it it, as much as we we say it's dark and all of this stuff it's still slightly welcoming and i think that's because it's the cartoon aspect of it like you you want to watch this episode or this show it's like a futurama or something exactly anyway some portuguese for y'all abrigado all right chris the album starts off and uh i don't know some guys like what do you want what man i need a bit man (laughs) and it kind of sounds like he's stoned so i went straight for crackhead i'm not even gonna lie it it went straight for one of the clients of like freddy I, i i thought of that i took it more as this is the type of environment that we are surrounded with maybe but still we're at the same place with that and then um you know it just kind of is a little comical thing and uh, a lot of these guys like their first track is just a little intro skit or a sample or something and then i i feel like this next part sounds like they found a really interesting asian voice on a voice to text uh or text to voice uh tool because it doesn't really sound like a person actually said it for how fucking weird and, and the cadence, right? It's just so constant. Uh, it sounds like, what, but then they just typed in some shit and they like, you could just tell they were smoking a fat blunt. This is my imagination running. And uh, they played that out and they thought it was so funny to hear the Asian voice um, say this shit. Uh, Abrigado which kind of sounds like, I don't, I don't know. Well, uh, it's, it's thank you. And it's like, basically, it's welcoming. It's an intro welcoming us to the my show people, of this. Mad Lib and Freddie Gibbs. It's time for Bandana Beach. So turn your speakers up. Let us go, Beach. And then it starts. And then I'm like, I don't know if I like this or not. I didn't. I didn't think it okay. So I found it had a charm to it because... It takes a certain type of person to like be bold enough, honestly, to just even do that for the intro. Right. And on that part, I'm like, that's bold. That's bold in 2019. I like that part. However, I'd be totally fine skipping it, but I like the little kind of bassy, little stringy beat in the background that still kind of drives it through. It's got a lounge type feel to it. It like- totally feels like it's setting you up for the movie, like the credits are rolling in, and I thought that was cool. So I gave it a four because it was a functional intro, but it wasn't one of my favorite intros. I gave it a 3.5. I thought it was comedic. I thought it was cool, but I think, I think it's because I kind of know what I'm about to get that I was just expecting a better intro. That's my fault, but it got a 3.5. Chris wasn't, well, uh, well, well, Chris wasn't expecting a better All intro. Right, that's some freestyle that, shit. Not gonna lie. He has a little nice little singy thing going on. Yep. It's very pretty, and I bet he can do it live. Did you hear him do the singy thing live? Yes, I even heard him do a cappella. Dude's oh, clear. Oh, so what I'm saying is he can do a no auto tool, motherfuckers, and that I thought was really, really dope and really worth pointing out in terms of how everyone relies on the auto tool. So not only, not only is Freddie a hard ass motherfucker, he's a hard ass motherfucker with the voice of beauty. And I'm sorry, but when he has that like singiness going on, it's got like a haunting beauty to the way he puts that pain and everything through it. Like, okay. I really, I really like his delivery. But Chris, I'm gonna talk a lot, so why don't you start us off? 
Um, I do like how he starts off with a freestyle in terms of like this cinematic type show type uh, movie about what we're gonna get. Um, but he kills it like he just comes in and he's just super boss about it uh the flow is super tight and it, it you could really tell that he's kind of just having fun with it um i feel starting off he's basically kind of breaking down where he comes from who he is and like kind of like the, the the prelude to whatever we're about to get right uh one of the bars that i really really liked at the beginning was crack cocaine i was my own investor could i do this shit independent that was my only question uh usher Raymond five, four. Usher Raymond four confessions fair confessions. Did you know that Usher's fourth album is Confessions? Yeah. Boom! Brilliant writing. Go on. Um, Pharaoh let me come through and hit when I was alone and stressing. Yeah, cause when the music shit wasn't moving, man, I said I might as well be moving. Thanks. And it really kind of just shows that type of gritty struggle that he comes comes from. Uh, I do like the wordplay with uh, Usher's Usher's fork uh, album fourth album confession. I like how they're tying that in together and i've also listened to that album back to back like repeatedly um it's my mom's favorite album so i've heard that growing up and i actually kind of take it like a lot of the things that um usher's confessing on that album are really real shit and it's really cool how freddie tied that into his verse and giving us that depth with what he just said there that was really cool i like how he is kind of separating his homies from the girls and how kind of like the, the the women in his life have been more loyal than all of the friends or at least a handful of them uh pharaoh let me come through and hit when i was alone and stressing granted there may have been like a trade-off there but it, this is a theme that i've seen freddie kind of really represent uh not represent but present a lot like the women in my life have actually hold me down um i like that realization where he's like uh you know if the music shit ain't working i gotta make money somehow i gotta do what i gotta do and it's that type of like you're struggling to do it right and, and kind of live that right life but you also see the advantages on another side on how you can kind of move quicker so it's really really cool how he intertwines that together i really really enjoyed that i like how he has like a backup plan that's like some boss moves there if music don't work at least i can sell dope and i got money coming in with a stable income so that's cool um moving on later on in the verse i liked uh another couple lines that when he goes my weed habit so close to snorting powder don't don't holler less i got narcotics scratching and itching he on the dog collar trunk full of tapes i ain't got no dollars that right there is just like he i feel i can feel him and relate to that like people don't really want anything from you until they need something from you in this case he understands that this is a business like y'all ain't calling me just because you want drugs y'all what calling me just because you want crack cocaine or whatever it is but he understands that that is the type of um i guess career choice or whatever he's chosen to do um i also like how he kind of follows up with by the time people show you love you don't even want it by the time people show me love I ain't even need it. By the time people showed me love, I was on the TV. And it's like that realization that for his entire life or for a good part of it, a lot of people were just kind of using him, being fake, abusing him and doing all this shit. And then like every other rapper we've heard and every other person, this realization of now that you're banking, rolling in money and that you got that shit and you're like in the spotlight, people are suddenly changing in there. Yo, let's be friends and whatnot. And that really, really kind of stuck out to me uh, just in terms of relatability from how I feel like I'm kind of living my life and, and progressing and moving forward in a lot of things. And people are starting to kind of act different. So, um, 
I really thought the song was cool. I really liked that, 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 that free energy that he was going into and bringing that off before we got into some like really, really serious shit. Not saying that this wasn't serious, just you could tell it was freestyled. You could tell that he kind of brought you in. He kind of eased you into what we're about to get. So that was really cool. Uh, I like how the ending, he just kind of drops in. He's like, yo, fuck it. That's all I need to do. I'm done. Closes the booth and leaves. Wrapping that up, 4.2 on 5. Yeah, I mean, it's a really, really strong start. I think um, it really does a lot to capture both the mindset of himself, but I think that Freddie's life just is a reflection of what so many other people want, that it really comes off relatable. Like, a lot of us will definitely just go, I want it all. I mean, that's how he starts it off in the verse. You know, you have that little intro that comes in and it pumps it up, whatever. And you get, you know, it's going to be hyped. It's, he's coming back. But I want it all. You know, all leather, 25th and Jackson. I'm back in action like Carl Weathers. You know, because Apollo is Carl Weathers in the Rocky series. Trying to beat the Rocky like Carl Weathers. And then Trap Boy Kane, I clubber Lang Sylvester. Clubber Lang plays Mr. T, who also comes back and fights Rocky. So he just does a whole bunch of crafty Rocky shit. And so thank you to the genius annotator who broke that down for me because I don't really remember Rocky that well. Um, crack cocaine, I was my own investor. You look at that and it's just like, okay, so he feels like an underdog in a situation where he's got to come against the world. And Crack, unfortunately, or fortunately, or however it is, this is how he's going to make his shit happen. And he's going to be independent and he brings that in so almost like this tape is going to be like his confessions kind of like usher which i thought was a cool idea because usher's tape was like this you know big old ordeal and he admitted to cheating and whatever else he did i don't really listen to usher's tape it was 2004 i i was into green day a lot and shit like that usher was far from my interest point my mom liked disco um Farah let me come through whatever Chris said that part and that's fine because I really like how he just kind of segments into he started making the music obviously he was trying to do some shit and keep it independent and it's not working and then I feel like you know you have to pay bills and I went through this kind of phase so I started trying to do some shit that wasn't working and you realize you need money to like buy equipment or to rent people's time to engineer your shit or to acquire the beats and how are you supposed to really pull off anything if you don't have that money in the first place so in his case he chose to sell dope in my case i went to work they're different grinds in their own sense but still a nine of five but it's also just a matter of, of also understanding that if you want to get ahead in this area well sometimes maybe you have to almost take a step back and go do what you need to do to make sure you can move ahead in the in that area you know right. he was living reckless on some social media shit which is honest like saying this is what i was doing with my life and it's almost like he's he's walking us through the situation to where he gets to that point i love that line my weed habit so close to snorting powder which is a reference to slick the soccer's track if i don't gotta featuring master p and friends which you know the same line pops up but it's such an interesting line because it's like you know on the one hand it's like the stress maybe is so much you want to just upgrade to something stronger or maybe because uh, i don't know you you upgrade from selling dope to selling powder just in, i don't know but it's an interesting line in general and then follows it up of how people are going to show up when they want something from you and you know they're they're just dope fiends and you can take that away from just drugs man it's more of an opportunity thing or like a whole lifestyle thing 
So if you happen to be living that real real in whatever domain you're in, it's gonna be relatable to this type of shit. If you have something people want, then all of a sudden you're cool. Um, and he really, I really love those three lines where he's like, by the time people show you love, you don't even want it in that point because he's got a point to it. When you're young at this and your self-esteem maybe isn't in place proper, all you want is for people to give you some love and really like push it and give you that like anything, you know, share my shit or whatever. And they don't like they really, if you're lucky, they will. And everybody will give it a quick little listen, curiosity, whatever, whatever. But nobody's really giving the love after time. You're not getting it no more. So you have to go out and pave your own lane and figure it out. And like as an example, when I started, when we started doing this channel, I used to try to get like, you know, the people I know in my life to like care. And they didn't. They didn't care until, oh, we got an interview with Karina. Oh, now nah, I give a fuck. Oh, this happened. Oh, that happened. Oh, you got patrons? Okay. Now all of a sudden people gave a fuck. No, I don't need those people to care. Don't don't like once you got something. It's it's honestly like incredible. I know there there are people who watch my shit that I work with, and those ones are real motherfuckers and they're dope and shit. But like to the other people with anything I create, it's like don't listen to it. (laughs) You just don't mind. There's so many other people who could be interested that when you coming to me only after i've kind of like especially the people you know right if you're only paying attention to me after i've shown promise and potential and i really related to that part too because it, it's so universal whatever you're trying to do in your life and i think that's a i think there's a global uh, i mean you probably just said this but i feel like there's a global aspect to it where yes. everything is kind of like that like you where where i'm kind of going through that at work like there's certain expectations that i have to meet but I feel like I don't know if I'm meeting them or not because I'm not really being... That's that's a very different thing than um, you actually... Because this is more in the context of you are doing what you know what you're doing and people don't care and they're fake about you and shit. But now that you're famous, right? Now that you're on the TV, everybody's your best friend versus maybe uh, you have shit management not communicating your expectations properly, which is a whole other thing that I literally have read several books on recently. Um, or, and so that's a different issue, but that is a bad issue. Uh, however, I do agree in the universality of this verse, and I like how he then points it out. The music started moving, but I also thought this whole other sh- thing going on, and you know, I, I got the shooters and whatnot. And I don't know that he's still actively pursuing this. Usually, you're rapping in character more than factually at this point because you have moved out of it. But I like the fact that he's pointing out that his life is still like there. He's not a guy who at Hollywood will say as, you know, funny. And I think that this is a great introduction to this album because it gives you a lot about who he is. And I think that's my favorite part of Freddie Gibbs is on this project, at least it's um, authentic. Yeah, but not even so much authentic. It's like sometimes you hear a rapper rap a whole bunch of songs. Like the Migos is a really good example. I couldn't tell you a fucking thing about Quavo as a person. I don't know what he believes in, but like you know, basketball player. Sure, but like, but I don't know what he believes in. I don't know what he cares about. Like, oh, I got the bag. I I think it's. I think it's the difference between actually. I'm not saying that Migos ain't true to themselves, but I think it's the difference between keeping up that persona of who you are and then that. But it's either you have the courage to tell people who you are or you don't so if you're not if you're just acting and everything about your music is just some superficial shit that's not 
interesting to me. Whereas what Freddie's doing here is more introducing us to who he is, the guy, the man that is Freddie Gibbs. Right. You know, so I think that's super dope. I get this a 4.5. Mad Libs beat is ridiculous. It's all good. It's a really good track. It got me really fucking excited for the rest of this project. And the truth is, well, it's it's not true that I'm a half man, half cocaine. It's not true. I've never done cocaine. Fun fact, according to Freddie, while he was in jail over some situation that he was acquitted on, he uh, conceived a lot of this album in his head because he couldn't write it all down and stuff. So a lot of this is just Freddie in a jail cell putting together bars in his head. I don't know if it was this song, all the songs. He says it was like the whole album. He said it. I don't know how true or whatnot. I'm just saying that I thought it was a cool thing that y'all should know that Freddie didn't even write it really. He just was like, if you're sitting in there in prison almost memorizing an album, and then it took four or five sessions bang, 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 and they got the project done. That's cool. How do you feel about this one? Um, This one was interesting to me. Uh, I thought it was really cool. Uh, I want to take a moment to talk about the beat and how, like, the first part of the beat is really interesting in terms of like this kind of like generic sounding song type but not not super generic like it has this darker tone to it that's really there like it, you can really feel the presence it's got this i feel this mocking tone a little bit and i'm gonna get into that and I'd also kind of feel like there's this there's this this nice transition when he switches into the part two uh, of how the beat kind of acts with Freddie. So for part one, it's half man. Um, I think it's main because it's M-A-N-N-E. So I think it's main, but whatever. <clears throat> like Gucci main type shit. Okay, anyway. Chris. Um, part one, I felt like it was just one of your typical, I'm kind of out here flexing, I'm the dude, I'm boss, and I and I just got what I need. Uh, verse one, Freddie, something he, at one point he goes like, ho, I know you was off, you could take a lick, you, you could take a lick, set him up with my bitch, we can fake a lick, I just broke up a brick on the east side with the click, who you banging with, you know that me and Diego be taking shit. Or I think it's talking shit, technically. Um, so it, it kind of just felt like it followed suit. I, I think suit. it was taking shit. Oh, like taking shit. Like, I'm grabbing this. This is mine now. My, yeah, yeah. Whoa, I can't believe I missed that. Because um, they're, they're boss-ass motherfuckers. Fair enough. Uh, but I don't I've, say that sarcastically, folk. I know how I sound. Go on. Uh, so... I like... it. it, it just, right now, it kind of just feels like, all right, this is, this is dope. It, it, it fits with what we just got from the freestyle. This is what I've heard on other projects. Where Where is this? Like, where do, where do we kind of change a little bit? And then the second verse, uh, I kind of feel like it just con is consistent in terms of, like, I'm bossing, I'm making moves, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And it's kind of what everybody wants to hear. My interest in this was the third verse, how when we get to part two and it's about cocaine, it feels like this is a legitimate drug song the way that freddie presents the third verse is like the raw the rawness of what drug dealing is the 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 greediness and the struggle um yeah half man half cocaine i just mixed the tylenol with heroin junkie shoots some detergent in their fucking veins uh cradle to the grave mm, crime pays fuck with master K fuck with mr k Put on, put your face on one of them. Picture chain, Sugar Ray, the fade, uh, the fader, go John Wick with the pistol game, like 
that was dope. All of those references are dope, but that grittiness, that that rawness, that like I'm I'm sitting there listening to this, really picturing these junkies shooting detergent in their veins. I'm really kind of being taken out of my little my little apartment and I'm brought into this world where it's really just that trash and whoa. And I felt like he was kind of mocking a lot of the fake rappers, I'm gonna say, who act a certain way and who present themselves to be a certain way, but they're not really that. And I think that's what he did with this song. Uh, I think the first part was just that. I'm just the man and I'm putting on this facade. And then the half cocaine part was the real grittiness of like, nah, this is the real shit. I'm gonna show you what being a in the drug life is kind of like. Overall, I thought this song was really powerful. I thought it was super cool. The beat is stellar in a way and the way it transitions and the way it just stops and he goes, shut the fuck up before the third verse and completely changes and the tempo and everything. Mad Lib is killing it. I gave it a 4.6. I don't I don't really know that Freddie Gibbs needs to taunt people. I think he just fucking say it blunt and clear. I look at it more like there's there's two facets to his personality. And right? So you have the half main oh, part, okay. right? Where it's like he's listening I mean, don't get me wrong, I think he's listening to the other people in the chorus and he's like, I don't really care. Oh right. you're doing oh I don't care. Like, uh, bridges burn, tables turn, fuck, they'll never learn. Not about an almighty dollar, it ain't my concern. Heard you getting pussy too, outside of me, ain't my concern. I just want a head, I just want a head in a 458, that's what I deserve. And so, a big point of there is, he's minding his own business in a sense. He's not jealous of what's going on in your world and your shit. He's focused on him and what he deserves and what he needs to go out there and get. And I think that's pretty cool. I think, again, that's in line with a lot of the more strategic thinking books right. and all of that kind of stuff. Um, then he's describing just kind of his dream life and almost the rewards of it all. Like, yo, we have some shit. We're serious. We will take your girl if we want her. I want to be, you know, ladies at the house. You know, I want all this life going on. He wants to get some blowjobs in the car. I mean, who doesn't want blowjobs while driving? I'm just throwing it out there. Everybody wants that. That's some universal shit. Uh second verse same kind of thing it flows in so it kind of like shows you know i want all of this good stuff i'm this powerful like you know flossy almost like this is the side that the lady sees but then there's the other side of it how much like how he gets there to have cocaine and that's just more about how he sells that shit and right. how it makes it happen but the way this song's almost put in it feels like you do a bump halfway through and you're ready to fucking go so i don't know if he does coke but uh that's definitely what that fucking comes off like it's just shit like damn that was accurate um i make 15 jump like a trampoline when the package sent now want the methamphetamines quick to sucking dick suck a dick for the dope i was rushing shit fuck the needle she was supposed to sniff snuffle up i guess and i feel like he's pointing out that like yo even though you're hard or whatever and i feel like he's almost implying this is dudes as much as his ladies it's like people is literally willing to suck your fucking dick in terms of getting the drugs out of you in that situation he's kind of gone through the situation black brains up in buckets bitch michael douglas bitch half man half cocaine 60 pounds of walter white the white plains and then close it through uh kiss your wife you were sod and go piss on your grave and he's painting out this drug dealer situation where he's super hard and 
he's got like the almost tenacity and willingness to do almost anything uh one foot in the booth one in the fucking cage if i wrote my raps he'd be a slave to my fucking page freddie yeah. kane and I, so you get the sense that he's coming up with all this in his head and he's not actually writing it out but if he did it's so powerful it'll enslave you because he's fucking fresh and he's fucking dope and i thought this was an incredible track that you could easily turn up to uh it's just powerful it's grind music it's that shit i want to listen to when i want somebody to like be like yo you can achieve by being fucking proper you know what you know what i want the shit that i deserve too freddie so thank you for that 4.75 on five this shit's a fucking banger that's all i'm trying to say i remember if you gave a grade give it a 4.6 it's not as good as a 4.75 all right you want to talk about some zebras? Because, yo, crime pays, motherfucker. If you would like to purchase a zebra in the United States, you can move to West Virginia or Wisconsin. These states have few restrictions on exotic pet ownership, and you don't need permission from the local governments to start a zebra farm. All right, I'm going to ask a stupid question. What's the relevancy? Did you not watch the music video? No. Where he's got a zebra farm? Uh, I, I watched a video previous to this review, and then like it pauses like in the middle of the video, and he's like just like chilling on this farm, like yo, you know why you on shit duty, dude? He's like what? Cause you fucking useless, whatever. And then he sees some guy with a wheelbarrow. He's like yo, what are you doing that wheelbarrow over there? Oh, it doesn't even have anything in it. You know what? You're on shit duty now. Switch it all up. And you give me that fucking rope. You're not. You just see him like walking around, barking these orders at these. Um, they're all white dudes. There are all these white guys on a farm. I like what he did there. And there's a lot of zebras. And then he wants to make uh, somebody have make a horse have sex with another horse. And it's all in the middle. Meanwhile, then it would kick him at the second verse or whatever. He's got the girl who with the bikini that is basically covering most of the... Like, it's not all of it. But, like, it, you know, it's one of the more revealing bikini types. Yeah, yeah. All the under boob is visible. So, you know, she has some nice fake uh, hooters. Um... He's sitting there rapping. There's zebra. He rides a zebra. I wanted to know if I could ride a zebra, and uh, that's the video. So yeah, it was relevant. You should have watched the music video and seen the zebras. So I, when I I was asked to do uh, from a buddy of mine to review uh, a track off this album, um, it was this song. No, it wasn't. It was the Anderson Pack track. Okay, it was Giannis. Um, and when I did that that favor. I went to go watch a music video and it was that picture of Freddy with the zebra, but it was a picture. So I didn't bother actually clicking the music video because well, I. You missed out on Crime Pace. Made an ass out of myself and uh, assumed Crime Pace it would be is a, a real good song. So let's talk about it. How do you feel? I feel like it's got this smooth thing and he comes in and he says, Crime Pace. And if you think about his life, or in a lot, it depends on your circumstance, right? Like it's. I mean, almost regardless of your circumstance, to a degree or another, you might be in situations in your life where you might be asked to commit these little petty crimes to gain favors with people. Oh, maybe you uh, change a little date over here on an email, or maybe you do a little this, maybe you lie to be a reference for somebody. Technically, all that shit's illegal. So crime helps people. And purse fraud, all of these things. Like, if you think about it, any time that your mom pretended to be a reference for your first job, that's it's not real, you know. Like, you, you might have stretched it, like, oh, I was babysitting for her, but it, you guys are kind of pushing it. It's, it's. Um, I'm using really, really silly examples to just show that everybody kind of knows that to some degree or another, 
crime has this uh, like a payoff that is often tangible even if there is some kind of victim or cost that might come from the situation i like the concept of because i took out the word crime and i replaced it with risk and I feel like when you're when you make when you're doing a crime, you're basically taking the biggest risk of your life because if but you it's... get caught, hold on, if you get caught, you know all the consequences. So I kind of look at this like, yeah, he's saying crime pays, yeah, crime pays, but I think he's also kind of interpolating like taking a risk to get to where you need to be also kind of pays off as well. I mean, like even as simple as something with. Oh, I got my mom to lie and stuff. That's still like you're taking that risk. That's not that even the, the a risk. Granted, it's not, I mean, it's super minimal, but it's still a. It's, it's still a risk. like what risk? Risk is like you're right. Crime is a risk, but risk pays is maybe true. I don't know if that's a universal thing. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Like gambling is a risk, as an example. Is, like, I mean, it, yeah, but it pays. Does it? I mean, it does. But like, if you get if you get lucky, statistically like, if you speaking, don't get caught, you get paid. I mean, gambling in terms of going to the casinos is risky, and statistically doesn't pay. I'm what I'm right. trying to say is right, I right. think the point is more living this darker side of life mm -hmm. and being willing to commit the crimes that he is willing to commit having that tenacity to do what needs to be done is kind of what pays if i were to like swap it in you know because yeah like there's a degree of risk i mean don't get me wrong i'm not a criminal so i don't really fucking know uh, what it's like to sell crack i've never done it i've never sold cocaine but what i can imagine is that you know he literally committed these crimes in an environment where the legal options would not have paid right and then because of that he now has means of getting paid all because fundamentally he committed crime but what's really crazy about this first first right you know made it through my whole month with the lights out i seen brighter days fucking brilliant you know like i finally i i'm paying my bills and i think that's what's super important is that he's highlighting the fact that even though i committed these crimes I was able to pay my bills and do some shit. Watch this shit get knee high, boy. You live and you die by this game. That's some real shit. There's consequences to it. But then you're not expecting where he's going to go with this, in my opinion. Homeboy just got HIV. He lived and died by his hoe. So he took the concept of living and dying by the game, which is an almost standard thing, and showed by risky sex in that regard that to take the same concept. Well, you basically, at that point, living and dying by the hoe in a literal sense. Well, HIV is not really a death sentence anymore, but it used to be, and so I get the point of what he's trying to make here. Have we ever hit the same bitch before? Ain't nobody knows. Have we ever hit the same bitch before? Wasn't nobody business. Be fucking these hoes and say fuck insurance and the doctor visits. And that's crazy to me, because I've been saying how many times on this channel that people are not wearing condoms. Uh, people my age and shit, like Freddie's a little bit older, but um, we don't use rubbers. We just fuck randomly. We just jizz wherever. Sometimes it's in her by mistake. I'm not saying myself. I'm saying that this is the statistics of the shit. And people don't go get the doctor checkups. We're all negligent with our health like that. And then you don't really know that when you find out that that girl gave this guy HIV that you guys haven't shared that girl before. Or been in that situation where now 
a whole squad basically gets HIV because nobody really thought about wearing rubbers in that moment. I, I'd, I'm like really passionate on this subject because at least in the United States, sex education's not really a real thing. And so a lot of people are not given the knowledge required to understand that they need to be using these rubbers. Anyway, it's got that beautiful little bridge that plays um, through and it samples Free Spirits by Walt Barr and it's nice and he just kind of reiterates while it's playing people be selling dope and they say fuck insurance and doctor visits so it's almost like you're you're, you're committing in your heart and soul that death is coming and so you're living as though it's going to come then you get that second verse where you know it's i feel like it's more like he kind of is celebrating a little more the first part's very similar um and then Bitch, don't touch my body because I put your body off all in a body sling. You ain't going to hurt nobody. Go body for body. We the body gang. And it's kind of floss here. And he, he further describes some shit. There wasn't a whole lot more in that part that I thought was super substantial that, like, I could add to what I've been saying so far. He's just kind of, he's very descriptive. And his storytelling, like Chris said earlier, really brings you into believing that this is some shit that's actually gone down. And then he proceeds to take shots at Mr. Jeezy. Uh, saying uh, whoever the fuck Rocket is bought Jeezy a new pair of shoes and that Jeezy is dick sucking. And then the song kind of just fades out to ending. And that was a very, very good song that I, I really enjoyed listening to. My exact notes were, whoa, this is incredible. And I gave it a five on five. I thought this was absolutely stellar. And one of those times where the single really is a single standout track on this project nice um i feel the same way i i feel that this song does bring this type of energy and this lifestyle to life and really animates it um i like how he addresses that um people only kind of chill with you when you have certain things uh the hoe that you brought out to cali boy she only fucking with you because you fucking with kane though she was boosting her credit with people like you that just ain't got enough on their name like the idea of you know he's got his loyalty and there's other people out here who are kind of acting shady this is it's like he's dropping wisdom and as much as he's you know out here kind of advocating that crime pays he's also giving you like yeah i'm saying this but also understand that this is the world that we come from these are the type of I guess women we chill with or the type of dudes we I guess we're around because this is the life we live and the 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 back and forth of like his um his explanation of like just the where he comes from and how he experiences life is really really cool cuz it's it's not contradicting in any way it's more like this is what works this is how you have to do it if you can't do a you ain't getting b and i really like that type of solidification that he's bringing um i also like the last part uh, part in the in the ending where he goes his homie done borrowed a car and he got and he got it shot up now i know that his bitch mad he steadily called up my phone and you huffing and puffing because uh because they at your bitch ducking and then the jeezy line but it's like it's it's this I kind of I like how he's he's bringing in this idea of this person tried to be kind of like Freddie I guess or try to live this life, but he's using his girlfriend's car. He's not even using his own independent shit, which mm. also brings to light how real Freddie is. Like a lot of the a lot of the experiences that Freddie is gonna talk about is is like, well, well, this is what this did, but this is what I did and it worked. Well, I feel and, like 
where it actually shows how real he is is a little bit more that that's something to pay attention to like is the guy borrowing his girlfriend's car and trying to be a gangster that to be able to call that out right comes from a point of i don't do that type of shit mm -hmm. so I, I do like your point there so i, I did enjoy that realness from here um Although I, I didn't really feel that this was like as bumping as like the last track though, just in terms of like, just like the energy levels. This had more of a smoother feel to it. It was hype. I'm not even saying it's not. Mad Lib is crazy, okay, but okay. I felt like it had just it? a smoother feel. Wow, well, you're all upset. <laughs> Mad Lib was ridiculous. 4.3. Mad Lib was a magician on this shit. I'm, I, Mad Lib was amazing on every song. Palm Olive is oh, sorry, I was a little getting ahead of myself because I need to be sitting in some massage seats. So the massage sheets he is describing may just be in fancy cars. I didn't even know you can get cars that can massage you while you drive them. Those are new things for me to dream about in life. Thank you, Freddie Gibbs, for enlightening this poor guy. They're fun. They're fun cars. Uh, like truth is, I'm copping a mini Tesla. That's what I'm calling the cheap Tesla. As soon as the financing is available in Canada and I have enough money to buy one, I want a Tesla. Um... I've been in a Cadillac with a massaging chair. That's it's fun. Um, this track is cool. I feel like instantly, though, we're going to a more laid-back, kind of vapid feel. And like, Because yep. I want to give him a lot of credit on this. I think what Freddie's doing here is he's trying to establish that I'm going to drop a classic run. Now, one of the requirements, in my opinion, for a classic, as we do have a show called The Classic Quest with over 100 albums reviewed on, is the versatility to make sure that as you go through your project the sonic the sounds change so madlib is a versatile fucking producer who can right. clearly do anything but freddie gibbs is coming in he has a whole different vibe and a flow and a whole situation on this and you know what's fucking crazy about this song because i believe the whole universe is connected and shit and sometimes these little things kind of coincide and I, I it might sound a little far-fetched but we I'm start this one you. off and he's like whatever bitch asked me what's up i said pimp a bitch whatever i don't care there golden state the roster my garage deep all right he got lots of cars that's cool i appreciate that shit you do you floating in the foreign on massage sheets like we just said that sounds fun yeah keep Absolutely. keep uh designer on broad feet i'm like okay that's fine I've been water whipping Earl Simmons. All my dogs eat. Um, do you know what? You know what's crazy? Hey. We're, we're reviewing TMX tomorrow. Like we're recording that review. It's gonna come out next week. But TMX is our next classic album. Are you fucking kidding me? He gets cited on this album. That's crazy. That's just a sign that DMX is the shit. DMX is one of my favorites, so I was really happy for that. Oh, I, I highlighted the same verse. The um, same and then, but it flows on through, and I don't. I'm like, it's very flexy. Yeah, fuck it. Get your money on. Still taking calls on this money phone every Sunday morning. I hit Maurice with the money gram. I don't know what the fuck a money gram is. But I assume that it's like an Instagram for money. I don't know if it's actually a thing. I, or it I, could be like Google that the shit gram live. of drug that he's going to flip into money. And he's just making a funny no, word called... No, MoneyGram is a money transfer company. It's a real thing. Holy I'll be here fuck. on Headspace, folks. We find out what things are. I'm pretty sure other people do that too, Chris. That's just living life. Um, but the MoneyGram, that makes a lot of sense. So he's collecting payments via legal means in the online world. I digress. It was very fun. Um, and then there's a little interlude thing, and he's talking about how he was hitting the finest ladies ever back in the day, like 
implying some rock star love, platinum ladies, like, you know, smashing some women you've heard of. Uh, Kane season. He's real he's real dope like that. And then uh, he calls Keisha to get the money gram and then he's gonna fly into Shy and make the pussy do the money dance, which kinda sounds like he's gonna fuck her, but also sounds like he's pimping her. And then he just I don't know, flows on through and then there's an outro and I'm like, This was cool. Uh, oh, he says Earl Simmons again. That was cool. I actually like the second Earl Simmons bar because it, it sounds... I like both of them because I like how he's... Like, I just feel like I was we, I was hit with so much profoundness in the last few songs that I'll give it to you. I fucked up. Because there was so much profoundness in the last songs, I kind of needed this little refresher, like palate cleanser between meals type track here to keep the vibe going. Question. Does he do two, two Earl Simmons lines or he is there does. an Eric Sermon line? Because I understood that there was an Eric I Sermon line. I saw Earl Sir- Simmons and then I Earl Simmons. I heard Earl Simmons because he then says all my dogs eat. Which but is later very- on, in the, later on, I think in the second verse, because I, man, I, maybe I dreamed it. But so it's so, Earl it's Simmons. So cool. I, I mean, I could be wrong. I am relying a little bit on genius because this album's been out for like two days. I'm pretty sure he says Earl Simmons both times. Uh, he also says Lonzo. I don't see Eric Sermon written anywhere, but it could be whatever. Because he goes, whip it, Earl Simmons, on my dog's eat twice. And, uh, I mean, I don't know why Why else. Oh, it is Earl Simmons. I, I thought That's he was cool. I thought he was cool and, like, whipping Eric Sermon. And it's like we reviewed him, and he's a dope lyricist, yeah, and he's connected. We've also reviewed Earl Simmons. We're reviewing Earl Simmons tomorrow. I think, I mean, Bonnie you. and I. Bonnie and I are going to be... That means there's a girl there on the review when it comes out. If you prefer to watch a lady instead of Chris. Your lady friend is there. She's lovely. Um, I gave this track a 4.35. I'll be honest with you. It's it's a great song as far as still being clever and rapped well and showcasing his versatility. But like to me, it's uh, subject matter-wise a little more vapid. And But it's fun. Like It serves its role. I think I've described my interests are a little less there. But I think that... If we're gonna call this, let's say, my least favorite song song so far, it's still fucking next level. Like, it's really good, and I would rather, I feel like it really works, and it's better than a lot of the more vapid, airy, I'm fucking cool songs that other people would put, and it still has that realness in it. So I don't want you to think that I'm trying to take away from uh, Freddie's uh, swagger. Um, It landed at a four on five. This song itself for me was hype, and it was cool. I really only like that one line just because I thought it said Eric Sermon, but it still but it's, works. It's, and it's, still, Simmons. it's still a dope line. Uh, cool. But I just felt like this was more of a kind of fluffy, flexing type track. Um, yeah, I gave it a four <coughs> or five. I don't actually have much to say. It's it's hype. It's really cool, but it's a lot of I'm fucking this woman. This is my luxury car, and I have mas- massage sheets, which I I enjoy. And in bumping in the background, I was like, oh, you know, this is this is hype, but it's cool. It. If you were getting fellatio, it's a good song. No, I think that you're in the car getting some head on a vibrating massage I mean, sheet. Yeah, but he's the one getting, it, not me. Yeah, but if you were, so I'm hearing him get it, and you were playing this track, it's a good soundtrack for that moment. I have another song I'd play, but okay. Anyway, you ignored my DMX attempts, even though they're probably gonna think I'm silly. So, why don't we discuss uh, Palm Olive? I was excited to see that Killer Mike and Pusha T were showing up to hang out with our good friend Freddie Gibbs here. Um, what did you think of this track, Christopher? I thought it was super cool. Um, 
I was also really interested because Pusha T and Killer Mike was there, so I was slightly biased. I liked both those artists, uh, but I thought it was super, super dope. Um, now, I like how, for me, Freddie is really consistent right now, and he's keeping up that energy that he keeps bringing. Uh, but what I really took from him was when he said, fuck the 40 acres and the mule, they gave us the eagle. And for me, I kind of looked at that as like, you know, he. I was watching an interview, and he and he mentioned something about like getting reparations for like all the all the years of slavery and all that. Um, and what I kind of took away from that line was like, instead of giving them reparations, they gave them guns, desert eagles, and like ways to, I guess, kill each other or like whatever. And that was something that really was deep. And then another way to look at it is they gave them America because the eagle represents America. Absolutely. And so they were supposed to get 40 acres and a mule, and then some people got some land, and then the next president comes in and said, fuck that, and give it all back to the old people. Um, and then, yeah, basically they got spread eagle fucked. But um, what I really took away from Freddie's verse uh, was that there is this sense of determination to kind of make it out from where he is. Now, I think this song is, is kind of like going back in time to where he had to go through and kind of like certain things that he had to deal with. Also kind of giving us this like, I guess this lavish life like back in the day, dropping this, dropping this blow on the basement for my Yeezy squeaking. Like it's it's like he he's kind of showing you like I had... I had things growing up or, or going through the struggle, but I've also done things to get what I got. So that was something super, super cool. Uh, he also mentions like, you know, he used to sell crack to a police officer. So that was, that was like, whoa, you coming from an environment that's like super, some edgy shit. Uh, but I was more actually interested in the uh, killer edgy mic. shit? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't come from a spot where cops are taking drugs. Well, um, I feel like I took it more like a, I don't know if I was wrong. I don't know what the exact lyric is, but it almost sounded like he sold it to like crack to police to, to like an undercover, you know. Like I, I thought he was like selling it to an undercover and getting clipped, but I guess it could be the other way too. Either way, um, I do I do really like the chorus from Killer Mike and the second verse from Pusha T. Killer Mike really had um, really impressed me the way he presented it, and he's kind of like very uh talking to you in a way kind of giving you this information uh basically what he's saying in the chorus is to basically do what you got to do for money every time you got that chance or an opportunity to make money don't lose it go for it and see how far you can push yourself to get that chance and that was really inspiring in a sense and it feels like he's talking down to like the younger generations half the message right Hmm? That is only half the message of his chorus, because the other more important part is once you've made that money, you know that the 5-0 slash system is coming to take that shit from you. So when you've got that wealth, live like you broke. Like there is a reason that for the most part, I don't rock nice clothes and I don't have any bling. It's because I don't want you to know how much money I have. I might have money. I might not. I don't. But I might. But you don't know. So, I mean, I would rather be like, because like DMX has that great lyric that inspired me as a kid. Um, how much that watch cost? Oh, and you know, sorry. He talks about robbing a watch when somebody's flashing it, like, you know, like whatever. I'm not talking about it tomorrow. Still, the idea that like by flashing your wealth, you're almost like inciting people to come take it from you. So if you want to keep your money, 
You gotta stay low, like no money, like still act broke, even if you got real cash, and then nobody will suspect you of shit. I think that and also so, changes like a character, like the character who you are as well. Like if you're very flashy or like arrogant with your money or something like that, that type. But of like thing. we're talking about drug dealers and shits, right? So the fact that like also let's just talk about in the first verse, Vladimir banana clip movie with Russian. Uh, collusion shooters that's a fucking sick line about fucking fake people but Vladimir banana clip move with Russian collusion shooters because it's making a little bit political as to what's actually going on in the world today but also Vladimir and the Russian connects anyway it's fucking dope Fuck a track hoe, selling that pussy on computers, pimping on never diet chap butler and heaven chucking deuces. Trunk a deuce hard by a fish, then I made a wish. I don't know, I just thought it was fresh, kind of looking at the modern way of how pimping is looking around. Like it's not maybe the old way, but if you look at how Instagram models pimp themselves out on the situation, it's a whole different game now, so it doesn't really die. And uh, maybe Pimp C is into that in heaven. Um, I thought it was really cool. I mean, yeah, Killer Mike's part really flowed in well because it's like you have Freddie laying out this really long and detailed and interesting, almost like a part of the charm of what Freddie does. There is some of the stuff that I find is the charm of Pusha T, where it's just these little vignettes of stuff like. In 1998, I sold a Glock chopper. In 2018, I'm finna reclaim my fucking time and copped a really flooded. So it's like, back then I did that. All this time later, this is what's happened after 20 years has gone by, you know? I am finally made it, kind of thing. Which is crazy, because it took 20 years to finally make it. And he grinded and he did it, you know? Alright, Chris, how do you feel about Pusha T? I know you were eagerly waiting to go. I like Pusha's verse. Um, I felt... I felt like it was it was more of where he kind of come again more he kind of comes from and not like upbringing a little bit uh, I like how he starts off look real bars are the ill bars these scars are the only real proof they couldn't kill gods my coke hands is still sketching out my memories out my memories what I did to door panels on them wind stars gem stars left cuts in the dinner plates Ooh, that was fire See for like it's just it's lines like the gem stars which is an ex an exacto knife if i'm not mistaken and it, when you're cutting up your shit literally the exacto knife will leave these little cuts in the dinner plate and i feel like pusha t's ability to kind of just paint like my coke hand is still sketching up my memoirs what i did to door panels on the wind star so he's, he's almost showing it his lyrics are yeah, I know, but then the following line is a gem yeah, star. Yeah. But he so he had, you know, how he used to fuck up the corridors to hide the drugs and how he used to, like, um, these little details where, like, unless you really lived it, you wouldn't know. But, again, it's never super obvious. It's just this, like, the specific thing. Like, when was the last time you heard of any rapper describe the scratches on the fucking plate? You know, like, just the details to paint right, that picture. Right. Um, I liked also when he, uh, when Pusha T kind of... I feel like he kind of went after fake rappers at one point. Like he's kind of just ch like making that division of I'm real, you're not type sense. Uh, but I did like when he went way more chemical than political. PTSD from what I weighed on the digital. It was snowfall and Reagan gave me the visual. Obama opened his doors knowing I was a criminal. That was super cool. So for me, right, way more chemical than political. So every, so what I feel that is, is like the chemical reaction in your brain to a lot of like the social medias, a lot of the drugs that we're taking or a lot of drugs that are, are in the world and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. We're more driven to a chemical reaction of dopamine and happiness and all this stuff than um, 
more of like a political sense on how to actually get our society to a better place or the world or together in like the human human humanity and all that stuff so that's how i kind of took that line his music's way more chemical than political well fine if you want to do that uh ptsd from what i weighed on the digital now of course that's also literally like he's weighing drugs but i kind of also feel like the digital the internet the social medias again like that was a really cool double double entendre um and then it was snowfall and reagan gave me the visual now i i need you to help me because you probably know more about that reagan brought crack in the hood let's go on. i didn't want to fuck that up uh but that was that but that's I, almost trying to okay and then to tie it into the next line it's crazy how he sold all these drugs and he was a very big criminal he wasn't politically minded yeah. uh reagan um let's say set up the situation so one president vilified his people and made it all bad and then it's crazy knowing he's a drug dealer knowing he's a criminal obama invited him along with guys like rick ross into the white house and that's amazing from but a symbolic I, point of view but i think there's because the, i think the reason is is that there is i feel like there's a difference from because i can sit here and say push a t is doing something for for like to make a change right but like still like i don't there's think there's no one gonna let the local crack dealer come into your house if the local crack dealer was a rapper look what the point is more that these rappers who are not political like to invite killer mike let's say makes sense mm-hmm. he's whatever but so it might push a T. On the other hand, it's kind of like his entire career is like uh, based on selling crack. Like mm-hmm. it's not like there's social consciousness there. Rick Ross, again, same type of shit. Right. So the significance of an American president's bringing these guys because of their, you know, contributions to life, in spite of the fact that they're almost no and critical, mm-hmm. it just goes to show, like, look, things are different now in a sense. And that's what I really enjoyed from uh, the verse. I think my issue was is that uh, Freddie has a lot of references that I may not catch on to. So my brain kind of shuts down you a little bit. You gotta Google Freddie shit. That's um, how you keep up, man. Absolutely. Uh, and I think I kind of just, it just was a little bit easier to ref to understand a lot of the references from Pusha T on my end. Uh, but I did give this song a 4.5. I really thought I it was mean, super cool. I don't even know how we're skipping over that hilarious fucking outro where um, it's like a little... I don't know who it is, but he's telling a little comedy skit where a buddy like came in and shot his wife with the next man's fucking. And while he's up in jail, awaiting like his electrocution, whatever. Who? But I, anyway, while he's in right. jail, awaiting the electric chair, the next dude shows up and he's like, "Hey, man. Uh, so yeah, sorry, but it's like it could have been worse." He's like, "How the fuck could it have been worse?" I'm just telling you, man, I know you're going to die and shit, but it could have been worse. He goes, "How could it have been worse? If you showed up uh, a day earlier, you would have got me too." Anyway, um, uh, that's why I gave it a 4.75 because it's uh, it's really good. It's like really good to me. Uh, like, I fucking love it. Even the little skit thing. Every time I heard it, I thought it was funny. And that rarely happens. So I'm with you, Freddie. But you know what? Now that now that I hear it again, it actually really ties into like the whole world that they come from in terms of everybody kind of acting mm. shady and being fake. So like, tell you one thing. I go by Holden Stefan Roy. That's a real name. He goes by Chris Chrome. That's a fake names. So I think one of the best lines on this song before Chris talks to us is um, whenever I see dead faces, they occupy my brain. And just the double entendre of dead faces. Every sorry, every time I sleep, dead faces they occupy my brain. So, on the one hand, it's like the people he's killed. You know, shit's so real. Gotta use fake names. That line too. Like you just ray off the jump. Like, if you can't use your real name, 
your world's already a little scrupulous and maybe on the negative side. So everybody's going by these street names to keep their government name almost hidden. Um, and then dead faces also doubles over as money. So when he's sleeping, it's it's like all he's dreaming about is the people he's killed and the money he wants to make. You know, that's what occupies his brain. Erica said, I never changed lifestyles that he insane. Um, I dated a girl named Erica. I'm with you. See, Freddie? We got shit in common. Uh, lifestyles that he insane. And then it just kind of lets you know a little bit of the context in the world he was coming from. Another, it was such a strong start to me. It's the kind of stuff where, like, you can tell that he put a lot of thought into making sure that it was it was interesting. Like, when you listen to it for the fourth time, you're like, there's still shit. You're almost catching with it. Anyway, how do you feel about this one? So, this one, um, I think, this one hit me in the feels in terms of, like, lyrically. But I didn't really feel it as much in terms of just like overall the vibe I, it felt a little bit slower to me uh moving on from that to the good parts freddie says something in the first verse when he as he starts off and this is what really caught my eye you was like a brother to me no no other to to me swear i would trade my life for yours i knew you was fucking with me found out some people fucked your wife and we put them bitches to sleep ain't going to say your government i'ma call him by ricky g now ricky g oh, hold on. had a cousin named yellow with the bricks of yola when I f we have a guy in montreal who does rap promotion named ricky d and the first time i heard it i heard ricky d and i was like is he fucking talking about that guy until i realized this is a fake name being used and shit right um but yo it's crazy to think that if some dudes fucked a wife of some guy the result is to kill the guys like honestly the way infidelity is handled in the hood is is a very strange so, thing to me so i don't understand i'm not judging it i'm saying i really don't understand how it drives it hold on replace fucked with rape that's how i took it like I mean, that's kind of how i took it i feel like if, if that's the case that totally makes sense only, i took it like i feel like freddie's that yeah, type of like, boss person who would be like did yo we not, did we not i'll just cut you off did we not in the last song just have this skit where, where she was playing around or and then he kills them both right that was the last skit that we heard right before this song i mean yeah maybe i mean maybe okay, you're right so, hold on let's talk about it right in the moment when you walk into the room, I could understand okay, I think, that I think, like I, rage thing. But I feel like what, as from what we've verse, gotten from Freddie in terms of just being a boss, it's more like, yo, if you ain't fucking with me and you fucking with other people, I'm gonna cut you off and we're done. Like I don't has, think he's gonna like So what the line says is we found out some dudes banged your wife and we killed them. That's what the line says. I said I don't understand how infidelity is handled in the hood, because I really don't. And you're like, she was getting raped. I'm like I mean, maybe, but that's that's a supposition with no. I'm I'm gonna agree with that because I I I don't because I I guess I just don't understand. Like in the last why, song, like, she was because in the skit that came right before. But I agree she, with it you. It sounded like, more like she was stepping out. I agree with you. So then like, we'll move on. That's that's the end of it. But I I, I do like <laughs> that I do like that line because um it really brings you into like this realness of why they have to use fake names. It's it's more of this like. 
Freddy's using fake names because he's actually out here doing some real. And then he's describing stuff like how the numbers they're getting shit for 17 and then moving it to me for 28, showing the markup they're getting. And then he gets to move it for 31, meaning he's really not making all that much off of it, so he barely ate. And then. You know, seeing them from when I started breaking that shit down, said I need more time with them chickens, I'm out here making rounds. And then the way people were behaving, they were kind of not playing in a conducive manner of teamwork to build up the city with some competition. And then it's like his boy almost like, so he left, his boy almost gets caught, and he's like, yo, fuck friends, because cash rules. And then he's got to like consider that, you know, he gets to move on, but his dude that basically fucked him over is how I took it, gets clipped. And then uh, he starts the second verse. He's walking through hell on these size 12s. You know, it sets up for like this, I'm going to court and things, whatever. But I set it up proper. And then like literally just flips. Juventi, my lapel, pouring up, four and up, three bigs, I'm 100 up. And the rest of the verb is verse is just like, like the well, beat's I, now I celebratory. Connected two lines because I done walk through hell in a size 12, speak it from my mouth before I let the time tell dream legal. I never take an L courtroom funeral. But I think it finishes like courtroom funeral fresh. Yeah, because it's almost like he his team like wins the case. Well, he keeps just look. I took it as he just keeps looking fly. Like no matter where he is, he's never taking an L because he's always in like I feel like it's also bigger than that. Like, I mean, yes, that's part of the writing, the fashion of he's going to look good. But I took it more like he's always looking good in the sense that he was set up. They went to court. He's, he lost a million dollars in his court case, and they won. And then he fucking kind of came out, and then life has been good or whatnot. And then I felt like it was super flossy for the rest of the verse, and it was really like, you know, it was good. Like, it felt almost celebratory. Like, at that moment of the dark times are over, and it's like this song almost represents this pivotal transition of having to go from using these fake names to like maybe not needing it so much because you're past that shit and then at the end kind of remembering some girl he really liked i guess um i like this song i thought it was pretty pretty fucking well done i'm like i i just love the switch over because it catches you off guard it's literally in the middle of a verse and then it just feels like again and i'm like well written in the sense of every bar is delivered proper the beat flip ups nice freddie rides it all and it just keeps it alive and fresh so it's another four and a half on five for me what really stood out to me on this and this is something that brought me back to the live show from freddie gibbs was um, he actually can change that quick in, in real life. Like, it's not like, it's not no punch-ins or cut-ins or whatever. Like, he actually goes from this slow, slower type pace to this instant quickness and chops it around. And it's really cool to see how he can do it live and then be able to hear it in the booth when you've got all of these, like, you know, you can spit the verse again and this and this and all these, like, when you really perfect it. So that was really, really cool to hear that off of this track. Um, overall, I left it with a 4.2. I really, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool i thought it was real for what he was trying to say and what he was trying to do i did kind of take it like fake names are fake names and and how you want to use them but he's really kind of coming at it like i had to have a fake name because i'm doing all of this shit uh so yeah all right so i should be telling you about how it's time to get some flat tummy tea but yeah we're gonna cut it for the part one 
because we're about halfway through and again look how long it's already been if we keep going for another it's just gonna be tedious for y'all so i look forward to hearing what you have to say in the comments you can hit subscribe so you can make sure you get notified of part two release which will be real shortly leave a comment join the conversation you can hit that like button if you felt that shit and uh yeah special thanks to the patrons is milka dempsey chris prado jonathan barnes dj black hurricane linda williams to support what we do help us get a new camera that can tell us what albums they want to re us to review for a dollar a month or more on the uh, support you can help us grow and become better so we're gonna go record that second part right now so peace